Have you ever wanted something so bad that it hurt? Have you ever had a dream or ambition that literally you were unable to achieve and it, I mean, it literally like hurt on the inside of you. Like, have you ever had that moment maybe where like you're standing in front of a table and because of the situation in your life, you have lost your appetite? Can I relate with anybody in the room? Maybe you're here and uh, maybe, maybe you're a high schooler and you, uh, you didn't end up on that team. You didn't end up with that girl or that guy. You didn't end up with that grade. And you find yourself in this disconnect between what your ambition and dream is and what your current reality is. Maybe you're an overachiever that didn't achieve. Maybe you're like the, in this story that we'll look at, but Hannah, she wanted to have a child, but was unable to have a, a child. Maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe... Maybe, maybe you're a, a follower of Jesus and you have a son or daughter that's currently not following Jesus. And you can't eat. I mean, I mean, have you ever felt those moments in life, right? I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for, for a God and for a word and for a, a, a savior that isn't afraid of our deepest pain. He's not afraid of our, of our internal angst. He's, he's not intimidated by our questions. But he seems to embrace us in our moments of, of difficulty. Right. So we find ourselves looking at the story of Hannah. And I think Anna, the story of Hannah is an, is an open door. It's an invitation to maybe wrestle with some of the painful things maybe we've wrestled through in hopes maybe that we can come out on the other side. And so would you turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, the very first chapter of 1 Samuel is where we're going to look at today as we look at the life of Hannah. We'll start at verse 3, and the reason why is because I don't know how to pronounce verse 1 and 2, all right? <laughs> so if you see it, you'll, you'll, you'll get it, all right? You can help me. I don't have a clue what it's saying, all right? So I'm just a pastor. I don't know, you know. Okay, verse 3. Now I'm going to set up verse 1 and 2, all right? So here's what verse 1 and 2 basically says, all right? There's this dude, and his name's Elkanah, all right? And Elkanah, against God's direction, has two wives. Now, I, I'm, now, first of all, it's not God's will for you to have two wives. Also, you can't afford to have two wives, all right? So, so you don't get anything else. It just that's, That would be uh, enough for today. I can't, but apparently Elkanah could, and he actually could. He came from a line of, of money and influence and all that. So Elkanah's got two wives. One of them is Penina, and one of them is Hannah. And in the story, Penina has lots of babies, lots of kids. Hannah has none. And then if, if you know the story, what's the one thing that Hannah wants? She wants a son. Yet it's the only thing seemingly she doesn't have. Can we relate? I mean, if you know the, the, the story, the context, Hannah's coming from a line of influence. Her family has influence. She's got money. Her table is full of the best food. There are children around. They're not hers, but there are kids around. Everything seems to be taken care of, of for her, but inside of her, she is 
she's got this missing discontent that she's feeling. Can we relate? And so she invites us into the first season of her story, and that's a season of barrenness. Have you ever had a season of barrenness? Wanting something, having a goal, having an ambition, but un- it's not a reality yet. She had a season of barrenness. Look at verse three. And her husband knows this, and so Akana, he's a good dude, and so let's kind of jump into the story here. It says, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. And then verse four, it says, whenever the day came for Okana to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he actually gave a double portion because he knew, he loved her. He genuinely loved her. And the Lord had apparently closed her womb. So Okana's this good dude. I mean, he re- he's recognizing the pain of his wife, Hannah. And so he's reaching out year after year. He would give her more in hopes to aid the pain that she's feeling this season of barrenness. What's interesting is that in this story, the season of barrenness actually leads to a season of brokenness. It's not just that she was unable to produce. It was the pain of being unable to produce. And if we can relate to the story, can't we all agree? It's one thing not to be able to get that goal or achieve that dream or achieve that thing or whatever that, that deal, the thing that God is putting inside of you. It's one thing for it not to happen. It's a whole other thing to experience the pain and the emotion and the challenge. Have you ever been in a season of brokenness? You know, as Christ followers, I just want to remind us, we can be broken but not still broken. What I mean by that is that Jesus has made us whole, but we still experience moments of brokenness, and that's what I'm asking. She wasn't broken as a person. She was, she was broken in this, this pain, this, this challenge, this, this, this ambition, this goal. So you're here today, and I don't know what ambition or drive or goal you might have, but maybe there's a disconnect between your current reality and what you're hoping and believing for. I've got hope for you today. There's hope today. Amen. And God is, has her in a season of barrenness, but then leads her to a season of brokenness, it seems like. And look at ver- what verse 6 says. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, a rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Can we all relate with that? Amen. Isn't it interesting that when you're most down, seems to be when everybody else wants to push you even further down? It's like you're already, the pool is 10 feet deep, you're already eight feet deep, and you got people above you pushing you even further down. Am I in the right place? Have you ever felt that? Can't we relate? So this lady, Penina, I don't like her, okay? Verse seven, and anybody that does, does anything bad to you, I don't like them either, all right? Just to be clear, all right? I'm in your corner. Okay, verse seven, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her, revival, her, her, her rival provoked her, Till she wept and would not eat. She got to a place in her life where the pain was so much that she stood in front of a well-created meal, unable to consume because of the pain that she's feeling inside. Can you relate today? Have you ever felt that a season of brokenness? 
I love verse eight. It kind of fleshes out the context a little bit. It says her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? I got you a whole $5 fill up from KFC, girl. Come on. You get the cookie and everything, man. I've had a couple of those. Why, why are you downhearted? And then he, he answered, this is an interesting question. He says, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? You know, I, I reflected on that a little bit. I, I'm wondering, is this Elkanah's insecurity coming out? Wanting affirmation from somebody that's already broken. He wanted to make sure that he was her man. So he's kind of pulling on strings, trying to get maybe something from her. Probably more, it's, 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 it's most likely that she just doesn't get, he just doesn't fully get Hannah's pain. Can I bring some encouragement to you today? You may be walking through a season of barrenness and a season of brokenness, and no one around you may be able to fully understand it, even though they mean well. Can I tell you to keep your head up high? God is with you. And just because everybody doesn't understand it around you doesn't mean that God doesn't see you right where you are. Don't give up. Hannah, in the midst of her brokenness, Elkanah just, he wanted to, right? I mean, he's a good dude. He wanted to get, but he just couldn't relate to this, this desire that she had inside of her. Which leads to the question of the day is this. What do you do in your season of barrenness and brokenness? What do we as followers of Jesus, what do we do when we feel like we're barren and we're, we're broken? And maybe you're here today and you're in a season of blessing. Good for you. We love you. That's great. And if you are there today, might I encourage you to still take notes? Because I'm telling you, there is somebody that God wants you to use you for. And that there are others that are around you. So some of you even right now, if you're like me, I, I kind of think leadership. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm a great leader. I just think that way. And so when I listen to this moment right now, I'm thinking personal, my personal brokenness maybe, but then I'm thinking about the brokenness of my sphere of influence. I'm immediately going, okay, God, who have you given me influence over and how can I help extend your grace to them? So I want you to think about that. But, so what do you do and what, how could you help someone else maybe walk through their season of barrenness and brokenness. And number one, here's the first thing that Hannah did. Let's learn as much as we can from this story. You know what she did? She went to God. Now that's a noble idea, ain't it? Verse nine says this. There have been messages built around this one word, but once when they had finished eating, they finished eating, right? She didn't eat. When they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. I almost titled this message, just stand up. Don't stay where you are, just stand up. But she stood up and you know what she did? She went to the house of God. She went to, to God. I know this sounds very simple. And let me tell you what breaks my heart as a pastor in this community is that there are people, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our community that are hurting and broken right now on this Sunday morning, but they do not know that God is the solution. That hurts me on the inside. That makes me want to fill every billboard with marketing towards Jesus. That makes me want to get into every school. That makes me want to get onto every radio program, every television program. That makes me want to get into our neighborhoods. I mean, that, that breaks my heart that people are broken and hurting and they don't know that God is a solution. They don't know that they could stand up and head to where God is. Right. Yeah. But maybe what's also just as challenging 
are followers of Jesus that know God, yet still don't turn to him in moments of pain, moments of brokenness. It's interesting that sometimes God is our last resort instead of our first choice. So maybe we can learn from Hannah. Run straight to God in your brokenness. Number two is this. Hannah approached God with authenticity. How many are thankful for a God that allows you to embrace him exactly the way you are? Do you know, I'm t- now, listen, this is just practical. You can't be completely authentic, uh, authentic with everybody. All right, like, 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 don't be completely authentic with your bo- with your boss. Okay, like, just don't. Okay, now don't lie, but just don't, don't, whatever. All right, so, uh, like, let's be real about it. Right? You, there, there's certain people where you just, you know, you're not gonna just unload everything. But can I tell you, with God, there ain't no, there, there ain't nothing. Like, if you understand how powerful the cross is. If you understand how much of a price that Jesus paid for you, there is nothing that you can, you can say. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to say it right. You don't have to know from Genesis to Revelation. You don't have to have so many weeks of church attendance before he starts to listen. You don't have to get none of that, right? I mean, he, you can approach him with complete authenticity. Oh, that excites me. Let's see how Hannah did it. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord. She was weeping. Bitterly. I mean, I think that's probably like nasty cry. You know what I'm saying? Just all over the place, like snot flying, the whole deal. No wonder she didn't eat her food. There's just snot in it. All right, sorry. I don't know where that came from. Keep going. Verse 11. Oh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's right. She went to God. I love that. And she approached God with authenticity. Number three is this. She increased her devotion. Now, I want to explain this. A little bit. Now let's look at the text. Look at what it says. And she made a vow saying, God, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all. Everybody say all. all. Now all the scholars in the room, let's just stay with me because I want to I explain something. All the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And here's what you wouldn't know just by reading the text. Hannah is a part of the Levite tribe in which if she has a son, he would become a Nazarite. He would make a Nazarite vow. If you know anything about a Nazarite vow, I'm not going to bore you with all the details of it. But a couple of them is that they don't cut their hair. Um, clearly, they have a beard like me. They wear flower shirts. So no, I'm just joking. <laughs> they don't cut their hair. So obviously, everybody's dedicated to God, but there's the Nazarite vow is an extra level of dedication. And And in the Old Testament, which we're reading, it was very much family lineage, right? So here's what's interesting. Now, here's the point. So Nazarites would would give themselves between the ages of 30 to 50, and they would dedicate those 20 years to the Lord. Yet Hannah says, if you give this to me, I'm going to give him to you all the days. Now, here's what's interesting. Wouldn't it have been enough for Hannah just to say, he's already dedicated. Like, God, you've already got his dedication. Like, isn't that enough? Like, just, he's already dedicated. Let's just move on. Yet inside of her, she, now, I wouldn't put this on everybody, but she increased, she took what God already established, and she gave it back to him in a whole nother measure. 
And I want to challenge you today. Listen, you can't go wrong by increasing your devotion to God. In fact, it's not just enough to go to God. I think we should also run with him and pursue him with everything else. And I just want to challenge you right now because if Hannah would have limited her pursuit of God to the people's perspective around her, she would have never made this type of declaration to God. And I want to speak to some leaders in this room. God is calling you to a devotion that's further than those that are around you, and you know it. And I'm not talking about this isn't like sin or not sin. There's just, there's a conviction on, there's anointing on your life. He's calling you to more. Don't run from that. Like don't, and I, and I just encourage us as a church, let's be a church that's not limited to the perspectives of other churches and what they think of us or other Christians and what they think of us, but either from the inside saying, God, we're just going to go after you. We're going to pursue you with everything with everything in us, Hannah increased her devotion. I implore you today, increase your devotion. Go after God. I mean, so you may have a moment where you're at this altar and everybody else in the room don't make sense of none of it, but you know what? You're having a moment with God and they don't know what season you're in. And who cares what they think what season you're in? You have a moment with God. Nothing stopped Hannah from having a moment of God. I pray nothing would stop you from having a moment with God. We need more moments with him, not less. Somebody just say amen to that if you'd like to. I know I told you to, and it kind of doesn't do the same. She increased her devotion. Let me just, I got I to gotta just say one more thing about this. Can we go to that next verse? As, as, as she kept pray, um, praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought he was drunk, she was drunk. So he said to her, how long have you been drinking? <laughs> Put away your wine. Look what she says. Is there more? I always get it mixed up. There is more. All right. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. All that is within me, I was giving to God. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes those around you won't understand your devotion. She was offering God a devotion that even Eli could not quite understand. He was trying to make sense of it. And you know what? Finally, he he did make some sense of it. I just want to encourage you today, once again, man, don't lower your devotion to God. And number four, this is what Hannah did. She responded with faith. Everybody say faith. faith. We don't need more doubt. We need more faith. She responded with faith faith. I love this. Here, look at verse 17. Eli answered her. He said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And look at what verse 18 says. It says this, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer what? Was no longer downcast. Let me break this down real simple. You know what happened? She sought God God gave her a word through Eli. And you know what she did? She believed it. I know that's noble. It wasn't complicated. There wasn't a bunch of religious acts. She simply believed in God at that moment. She believed the word of the Lord. There was this faith that rose up in her that was just uncanny. And she simply believed in that moment. Oh, man, I got to preach this just for a second, all right? I love this. Her face was no longer downcast. In other words, her faith changed her countenance. 
Let me, let me say it like this. Has, has she actually born the son yet? No. Yet she's full of faith and she walks out of there. Another, <laughs> in other words, she's already getting internal victory before there ever was an outward blessing on her life. And maybe there's more to your story than just the outward, whether you have or don't have. But maybe God is wanting to get the inside of you to this victorious place. And I'm telling you, Jesus paid too much on the cross for us to walk around in a downcast spirit. And I want to challenge you today, man, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your barrenness, let's not give up faith. I was thinking about Hannah. You know, it would have been so easy. Why? I thought, why didn't she just go, you know what? I didn't have a kid. It's okay. God's with me. God's good enough. Yeah, you are better, you are better than 10 sons. And she just kind of just said, you know, I'm going to be content. But you know what? There was this holy discontent inside of her that she didn't give up on. And she had faith. And I implore you today that you would have the same faith. Second thing I want as we're closing, Hannah didn't realize what her faith would produce. And let me tell you right now, you may just think that you're here for, you're here for 100 years and you're in and out. And you're going to make some money or do this or do that, have a little this or have a little that. Can I tell you, there is way more to your life than just you getting by. There is purpose, I'm looking right into the camera, there is purpose to every single one of you. All of your days are ordained by God. And if God has ordained your days, then he has a purpose for your life. You're not just a mom, you're not just a son, you're not just a married couple, you don't just live in that neighborhood, you aren't just that boss, you're not just that coworker. You are a child of God, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And I'm telling you, it's bigger than you can imagine. In fact, Paul looked at the grandness of God Oh, man, I'm about to run around this room right now. Paul looked at the grandness of God, and he just kind of, out of his, he just penned these words, and he said, my God, he's so much more than we could ever imagine. And we could hope for. He's so good. Now, listen, I'm saying that because you, some of y'all might know who Hannah ended up having. But for some of you that don't, you're going to, maybe you'll be a little shocked right now. Because Hannah probably just thought she was just trying to have a baby. I mean, in her mind, she had this holy discontent. She felt like God spoke to her. She was believing for it. She was contending for it. And she could have easily given up. Yet she didn't. You know, can we just keep going? Can we go to verse? She entered into a season of blessing. Early the next morning, they rose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. I got to stop just for a second. I love it. This is so much fun. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get too graphic, but Elkanah and Hannah had a mommy-daddy conversation. Okay? Now, now I say that for, for a purpose. I don't say that just for a, a for laugh. I do that sometimes, though, for real. So, But I'm not this time. There's a point. Um, she did exactly what she did before. Yet, she did it with a different faith and a different perspective. I pray that blesses you today. 
Because I think sometimes we think that the will of God is that everything has to change. Like, like I need new friends. I need a new job. I need a new career. I need a new shirt. I need a new, like, I need, I need everything to change. Yet she went back. To, it wasn't any different. Just she was different. And maybe you're the solution to the issues that are around you, like the internal part of you. Oh, man. So she bore a son. Can we go to verse 20? And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. If you don't know this, Samuel produced the line of David, which produced the line of Jesus. Come on. This woman had no idea what she was contending for. And I just pray that I can strike something inside of us today. You don't know what you're contending for. You don't know the legacy that might be built. You don't know what might happen. You just don't. We don't. That's the beauty, I think, of following Jesus. God took the faith of a woman. And through that, brought the Savior of the world. Imagine what God can do with your faith. Come on, young person. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Come on, young adult. Come on, man. Start believing. Let's start. I don't think we have a. We don't want. We we. I. We need more vision. We need more vision. We need more God moments in our lives. It just inspires us to believe for more. We need to look at our Walmarts differently. We need to look at our schools differently. You know why that happens? That doesn't happen outside of God. That happens with God. She had a, every reason to completely believe that she would always be a desert land, barren and broken, yet something inside of her stirred. I believe that same faith that she had is in this room today. I'm telling you, I believe God's going to do something in this room in just a moment. Man, let's believe. Let's believe. Let's have faith. And what would it look like for us as a community? What would it look like for us as a city if we really got this, man? Even in the midst of our barrenness and our brokenness, we're believing God for blessing. Oh, man. It brings me to my last slide today. I just want to ask you, where are you at? Where are you at today? Are you in a season of barrenness? I want to tell you that I believe God's going to move you. And sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Am I right? And sometimes, if we're honest, those seasons of brokenness were some of the most sweetest seasons with God, weren't they? We don't want them. <laughs> we're not looking for any more of them. But when we look back, don't we? It's like David saying, man, I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've walked through some pain. I've walked through some brokenness. But I'm telling you, God's never going to leave you in brokenness. He's going to bring you to a place of blessing. And I, I just, I feel like even today, in just a moment, I'm going to have us have a moment of, of response. But I want to pray over you because I, I really, I believe there are some people in this room. You are in a season of brokenness. You're in a season of barrenness. I'm telling you today, God's going to do something supernatural in your life. You're going to do something supernatural in your life. I, I told somebody earlier, I would never preach on Hannah naturally. Like, this just doesn't, this story, I'm not a girl, like all that. And I've been so blessed by this. And uh, being under authority, it's what I was told to preach. And I'm so grateful uh, because this is such an incredible story. Would you stand to your feet all across the place? Come on, we don't want just another sermon, man. We, wanna, we want a moment. Am I right? I want you to have a moment today. 
I don't know about you guys, but man, I want to be a person full of faith. Full of faith. Full of faith. No doubt. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, sound mind. He said, speak to that mountain. If you just have the faith of a mustard seed, it'll be removed. Come on, some of y'all, you've, you've been in a season of brokenness. And that season has weighed you down. And some of y'all spiritually and emotionally, man, you, you crippled in here today. I mean, you were dragging. I mean, on the outside, you look good and you look fresh and you smell good. But on the inside, man, you barely made it here today. Can I tell you, you did the right thing. God's, gonna, God's about to have a moment with you right where you are. He's gonna, I believe he's going to bring some to the season of blessing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'd love to just a moment to pray for you. Father, you looked at our brokenness. And you did not delegate someone to change it. But you sent your son to embrace it. And to bring us to a place of blessing to bring us a message of hope that we are not alone in this thing called life. And Lord, I'm asking right now, if there be one person in here that does not, has not received your forgiveness of sin and has not had the opportunity to put their faith and trust in you, that right now they would do so, that this would be their day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here and you say, Glenn, would you pray for me? Today, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. That's you, I wanna pray for you. Say, man, that's it. Would you pray for me? I'm gonna count to three and I want you to lift your hand. No one looking around. One, two, three, if that's you, lift your hand. Say, pastor, would you pray for me? Pray for me, I'm making that decision. I'm asking for prayer today. Come on, man. Come on, dad. Your family will never be the same. Come on, mom. Say, yeah, man, pray for me. This is real, I made it. put that hand right back down. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up every hand that was lifted. If you're a Christian, you know how awesome this moment is. Come on, would you pray? Father, we lift up every hand that's lifted. And I thank you, God, for new birth in you. And Lord, I just lift up these, de these decisions, God, to put you first place. And Lord, I'm asking God for there to be great fruit that would come of it. And Lord, I pray that they would experience the wonder and the awe of knowing their forgiveness of their sin through you. In Jesus' name, amen.